and it's taken a long time and a lot of thinking for me to get to the point of realising that in a country full of Danes, the best thing you can be is actually yourself, because only then can you give the greatest value to Denmark. Have you ever wanted to fit in somewhere, but it seems impossible? Unwritten rules, changing expectations, and an unfamiliar landscape can make fitting in impossible when you move to Denmark or any foreign country. Today, we continue our conversation with author Carrie Bloomfield about her journey to Denmark, trying to fit in, and finding greater happiness in coming up short. Hey everybody, you're listening to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast that helps you make Denmark make sense. And we are back with part two of our conversation with Carrie Bloomfield, the author of the book, Nothing Like a Dane. My name is Derek, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike. Yes, and we are so excited to be back in the studio again with Carrie. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks so much. Looking forward to chatting more. I figured as um, a bit of a vibe check, we could do a little bit of a game. Uh, because Denmark sometimes feels like living in a reality show, mm-hmm. um, of maybe Survivor or uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, waiting to be voted off. Yeah, the waiting to be voted off. You Bye. know. <laughs> um, I thought we could play a little game, and in this one, you'll have to guess if these reality show descriptions are describing a real reality show from around the world or are ones that we made up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so just testing your knowledge. But no pressure. Okay, I'm a little scared, but let's go. (laughs) Okay, no worries. So the first one, it's called The Interception. So this is essentially a real-life Grand Theft Auto where contestants are given a chance to steal a car and evade a police chase. If they make it away from the police for 35 minutes, they get to keep the car. Real or fake? That's got to be fake. It's actually real, real. No and way. it was a Russian TV show in the late 90s. <laughs> oh, times have changed. Maybe. Well, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> maybe very much still happening, <laughs> just not being recorded, you know. Right, yeah. yes. Second one is called Kid Nation. So this is one where we're going to get a few dozen kids, aged, say, 8 to 15, put them into an abandoned summer camp with no adults, and they have to build their own society from scratch in a world with one outhouse and no running water. Oh, that's true. It's true. There's an, Amer- there's an American one for exactly one season, and then it kind of got shut down because it was... Um, Health and safety? Yeah. Child abuse, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Lord, Lord, of, of, the Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm yes. like having visions of not, <laughs> not going well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was a real one. That one they got a lot of flack for that one. As a, as a former summer camp counselor, too, <laughs> I, this, this, this made me... Um, have feelings. Yeah. Yes. I love to be at that marketing table when they're discussing these concepts, right? Like, how many beers does it take for right. they say yes? No idea is a bad idea, Carrie. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would have loved to have been at the table when they were discussing John Dillerman in Denmark. Oh, like, right. This idea for a TV <laughs> right. show. He's a giant wang. Like, let's just go with it. <laughs> the world's biggest. Maybe they can make that a reality show. Right? Mm, no, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's face was tremendous right yeah. there. <laughs> Um, Okay, yeah, let's just keep going. So this is a reality show, or is it, called Spooky Team. A group of Japanese celebrities traverse their country, visiting haunted locations and attempting to make contact with spirits. That's true. I'd watch that. Yeah, I would watch it too, but it's not true, sadly. Let's do it then. I know, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Okay, so how about this one? Gap Year Grannies. Groups of UK students set off on a gap year adventure. Unbeknownst to them, they're being tailed by their spying grandmothers who even make appearances in disguise. False. Yeah, that's false. Yeah. I would watch that one, though. It is good, but I was thinking, like, the logistics of your grandma following you. 
that would be challenging, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one thing for, uh, yeah, to imagine a bunch of gap year kids going around by interrail, but uh, I don't know about, no. <laughs> I don't know the about grannies. the grannies, yeah. the accessibility factor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two and two. So this is your chance to, to win the game here. Uh, Let's see. Okay. So the last one, it's called Sperm Race. 12 male contestants donate their sperm and see who can fertilize an egg the fastest. Contestants also get to cosplay as sperm, diving into pools while wearing sperm outfits to recreate the miracle of life. I really don't want this one to be true. I'm going to say it's fake. It's real and it was on German TV. <laughs> Those Germans! Right. Yeah. You know, I actually have some friends who we all had our... Well, not all of us. Okay, okay. (laughs) A friend of ours was worked in a fertility clinic, Mm -hmm. and she said, "You guys, I'll I'll test your sperm." And we wanted to see who had the most mm, virality, I guess. Uh (laughs) And then we were going to do like a little pub crawl and reveal. So not everybody, not everybody would do it. So three out of the seven of us went uh, with a sample because we, you know, we had to go m- make a deposit. Um, but you also were not were able- you one of the three? I was one of the three that okay. did it. So I know that at least mine was okay. That's all she, she told us. But part of making that donation is that you can't, um, uh, you can't make an at-home donation for, I think, 72 hours before you- make a deposit and some of the guys are like I can't do that <laughs> oh that's the only reason they didn't do yeah it. I don't know right. yeah maybe they just didn't maybe some things are better left unknown right yeah. we could maybe just yeah let's just save it for German German TV. TV German TV so what are you doing in Denmark we go many different twists and turns on the roads here <laughs> twist it turn it but not for that 72 hour no exactly before. So speaking of twists and turns, let's bring it back towards our, our guest here, Carrie. The, so you talk a lot in your book, obviously, about your time in Denmark, but I think it's also important to learn a lot about your time in, in New Zealand. And, and you say that you go back every second year or so. Kind of, what's the reaction you get from your people back in, in New Zealand? How do they feel about you living and moving off to, to Denmark? I think one of the things that happens that I'm pretty sure you guys go through as well is that every time you go back, that friend group perhaps gets a bit smaller or, sure, sure. or you're, yeah. you're left with the, uh, your real friends, the, the friends for life, because it is difficult when you've got a short period of time. I'm only back there every two years and we have maybe three at best four weeks there and everybody wants to catch up. Of course. Um, but it's logistically impossible to catch up with everyone. And it's it's wonderful that they reach out. Um, and what we've come to now is that, hey, guys, I'm going to be at this bar. If you can come, um, would love to see you. You know, I've traveled 18,000 kilometers. <laughs> right. You guys can travel 30. I'll be here. You come. <laughs> um, but it's the only way to do it. And, you know, I think one of the most beautiful things is, unlike we were just back, back there now, um, of course, um, I had a friend drive four hours to come and see me to detour mm-hmm. on the way to her summer holiday, and we had a coffee. That was it. So she drove four hours to have a coffee. Wow. And, mm. you know, those are the friends that you cherish and hold yeah. on to um, and that I'll forever be grateful to as well because as much as I've made friends in Denmark, um, nobody knows me before Denmark here. Yeah. So these are people that have known me since I was four years old, if not earlier, Um these are the the people that I know will be there for me whenever I need them. Yeah. Um, and you can't replace that. Yeah. And I think if you were, say, 
to a Dane too, who have a lot of friends from their school years from Bernahau. Like, can you imagine a life without those people in it? In a way to understand what it's like to be a foreigner in Denmark and, yeah. and not have your friend network that you had before or your family around you as well. So, yeah, like going back to New Zealand is, is such a... It, it's hugely important to me to be able to fill my cup, but to, mm. you know, that feeling of getting off the plane and instantly you are one of them. You look like everybody <laughs> else. You sound like everyone else. You're no longer this weird unicorn living on a different, <laughs> in a different planet. And there's such a comfort there. I mean, it's hugely important of being able to continue to be my best self is by plugging back into that motherboard. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I use the analogy sometimes. It's like, Everything, everything does work in Denmark. Everything is so it, it, it's an easy place to live. So it sounds like I'm complaining from a point of privilege about, oh, I just can't wait to be back in in the U.S. where I fit in, you know, because it, it it life can be really good here. However, there's just such a nice moment of that familiarity. Everything clicks. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say it's like you, uh, you know, you you you're you're really full after a nice meal and everything is good, but then you go home and change into sweatpants at the end of the day, and you're like, oh, I can just yeah. melt into the couch. That's that's that feeling of not having to think about things, translate anything. It's Absolutely. like it was when I grew up. Yeah, when I was back there uh, just recently, and and I caught up with my friend, very good friend, and you know, she's asking how it's going. And I had this moment of realizing, or I said to her, look, you know, every day in Denmark, I'm working to fit in. I'm working to belong, to find my place. It's a daily uh, exercise that I go through. Mm -hmm. And the difference is when I get off that plane in New Zealand, I instantly belong. And that's an overwhelming feeling, actually, to all of a sudden not have to try to fit in. Because yeah. it's not an instant process when you move to a new country to fit in. That takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be highs and lows in that as well. Um, so, yeah, that actually overwhelmed me a little bit, mm-hmm. reflecting mm-hmm. on that, that realizing that every day you're using so much energy when you're an international in another oh, yeah. country to, oh, yeah. to fit in, to belong, because we want to. Yeah. And it's it's good to take a moment sometimes and just pat yourself on the back or just say like, hey, you've done something really monumental that not many people do. And to to make it work, to be able to make it work and thrive in two different countries and two different cultures, that that takes a lot. And that is a big accomplishment. And sometimes you just have to Reflect on that. Reflect on that. And pat yourself on the back. And yeah. I would say it's the same, uh, you know, with learning Danish as well. Because yeah. <laughs> after eight years, you always get the question, you know, so can you speak Danish or why don't you How's speak your Danish? Danish coming? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, for the first couple of years, you've got a little bit, a little bit of a leave pass there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the pressure kind of builds from yes. that. And at first I would feel guilty that after three years of language school that I didn't come out fluent because it was my full intention to do that. I didn't have a great experience at language school. Uh, and Same. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not for me. Um, and I went to every class. I did all the homework. I came with full commitment to be fluent. But what I found at language school is actually the the focus was on simply getting you from one module to the other because yep. that's how they get their funding. And this was back in the days where the language schools had a lot of government funding mm-hmm. um, in answering people in terms of, so do you speak Danish yet? What I've learned to remind myself is that eight years ago, I knew nothing. Right. 
I come from New Zealand. We're a country primarily monolingual. So we've mm-hmm. not had to learn a second language, um, similar, I think, to the US, yeah, yeah. Australia. Um, so not only do we, did I not know Danish, I did not know how to learn a second language. That's that's important too. What I wish in hindsight is that before I started learning Danish, that I had a two-week course and somebody taught taught me how to learn a language because, for example, just simply realizing that you may be able to read easier than you can speak, than you can write. And it wasn't until I'd actually finished three years of Danish school and I hired a private teacher that she said to me, Carrie, you do understand Danish. You understand, but you just have difficulty speaking. Yeah. And it wasn't until that moment that I kind of realized, like, actually, I did learn something in that three years. Like, go me. I did. I am progressing it's going to take as long as it's going to take for me to be comfortable speaking in Danish. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my Dane, uh, you know, they, he learned English at school, went to university where uh, there's a lot of readings in English, but it wasn't until he moved abroad that he started using his English. So that process mm-hmm. is over 10 years before he became comfortable using English. So, you know, while I'm just going to give myself a little bit of break and stop beating myself up and stop sure. feeling guilty that I don't yet feel comfortable speaking Danish because I know that day will come and I don't need the government. I don't need <laughs> anybody else to tell me that. I have an eight-year-old who's going to roll her eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> and she is my motivation. And that yeah. is one day I will be or I will be as good as Queen Mary speaking yeah. Danish. You have to give yourself the grace that you don't always get from... Yeah, other the people. Danes who listen to you speak Danish, and <laughs> yes. you know, that, there's not always that meeting you halfway. I feel like um, we're very used to hearing other people speak English with some kind of accent, mm-hmm. and yeah. we have to do a little more work to interpret the meaning. We look at the context of the conversation. We try to understand what they're uh, what they're saying, what they're talking about, and as long as we understand what they're saying, we don't necessarily nitpick every. Tense and you let the every conversation verb, flow. We let the yes. conversation flow, yeah. and um, that doesn't always happen the other way because less people are speaking Danish in a with an, a, accent. With an accent or with improper grammar, and it does come from usually a place of trying to help. But my gosh, it can be very discouraging. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming she may do that you, to you a little bit. Well, yeah, right. Oh, well, yes. What's the most common word in Danish? Well, yes. Which I think is actually my most painful word oh, in Danish. When I hear, like it hurts my ears. Oh yes, yes. When I have an eight-year-old saying "vel," <laughs> it's like how do you say how do you say both "what" and "go fuck yourself" at the same time? That's basically what it sounds like right. somebody saying to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would say also my New Zealand accent is toned down. Also, yes. because I think what you realize, and I, I lived in London for a few years too, and what you quickly work out is that if you speak like a Kiwi there, no one's going to understand. <laughs> right. So you do change how you speak, not yes. to appear posh or better or anything, um, is simply to be able to communicate. So 100%. I've beaten the accent out of myself. I speak slower. I use more simple language. And it's yeah. funny, especially to my Danish friends, when I explain to them that I speak differently than I would if I was back home in the U.S. and at a pub with my friends. We may be having the same conversation, but I I speak differently. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because I think there's a deficit in English skills mm-hmm. here, but it's just I know that I need to make it a little bit easier for people that are listening to, to right. me. And in New Zealand, we, I mean, we speak English, but we speak New Zealand English. And yeah. I think unless you've traveled, you don't realize that. that oh, it's we, different. Oh, that, yeah. And that's why I have the glossary in the yeah, back. Yeah, I love it. With all the New Zealand terms. <laughs> 
And again, that was something when I moved here I would eliminate from my vocabulary. Uh, But I think through the book too, it's one of the reasons that I now, I play with it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's, as much as it's about me learning about Denmark, I like to think, I'm actually going to give some, I'm going to teach you how we talk in New Zealand as well, because one day maybe you'll be a tourist there and you'll understand it and... Yeah, just have a bit of fun with it as well. It, it's funny you say that because something, I think the journey that we've gone on to, it's similar to yours where you know, initially you come over and you try to adapt. You try to make it be as much, you try to basically embrace as much of Danish as you can to come yeah. in and, and fit in everything. But then over time, you're like, but I'm still me. I want to stand on my feet and share my thing. What are some of the Kiwi things that you've brought to Denmark that you keep alive, whether it's with your family or friends or... Especially there, with your daughter, too. Yeah, yeah to I'm keep sure. her connected to, to, to your homeland as much. So I like to think I've given the gift of pavlova to Denmark. And pavlova is a meringue cake that we use uh, for, like, Christmas dessert would often be a meringue, uh, mm-hmm. pavlova. Um, if you speak to an Australian, they might try and claim it as their cake. You know, this is something when growing up, maybe I didn't think was that special. But then when you move to another country and you're sitting at a Danish Christmas table where there is no room for anyone else's food because it's a very set menu. Uh, yeah. You, you know, that's been one thing that I've sort of hung on to and introduced her to. And thankfully, she really likes it. So for her, it's like a special cake now. And I made it for, they had something at school the other day where everybody was turning up with their, um, you know, the, the, the standard chocolate cake or bola or canal stung. And I thought, well, I'm going to disrupt this table. I'm going <laughs> to put down some mini pavlovas. Um, so... In the start, I think I'd be a bit embarrassed about that, or mm. I wouldn't, because you'd be standing out, right? Sure. So eight years later, <laughs> whatever. Right. This is me, and this, this is Carrie's is, cake. Yeah. This is my gift to everyone. And of course, the kids love it. Like it's oh yeah, sugar it's pure rice. sugar, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> sugar and cream. Like meringue is a fancy way to say sugar. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where have you been hiding this? Um, so through food is one way. Um, mm. When we were back just now introducing her to New Zealand biscuits, there's some like classic Kiwi biscuits, cookies, mm-hmm. um, and you know, building a little connection through that. It's a weight on your shoulders, but I don't say that in a negative way, but I guess I, I'm just aware that I am the only person that can uh, inject New Zealand into her, and she mm. is half Danish, half New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, whilst we live in New, uh, Denmark. You know, in her head, some days she, she maybe thinks she's Danish. Sure. But I remind her that she's half New Zealand as well. And I want her to be proud of that. And yeah. so doing that through food is is one way. Native birds are very important in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any animals that kill you. So <laughs> <laughs> we um, are very protective about our and love our native birds, um, which one, of course, is our national bird, the kiwi. Mm-hmm. I've always incorporated the kiwi bird into her life. We have posters. We have books about the kiwi. And uh, she was at school one day when the teacher had all the kids around and asked if anybody knew what a Kiwi was. This was when she was a bit younger, maybe four. And uh, she was very excited because she had the answer to this question. (laughs) So she's putting her hand up and proudly told the teacher that the Kiwi was a bird. Mm -hmm. At which point the teacher said, no, it's not. It's a fruit. And her little, I can just, I mean, I wasn't there, but I was told the story later and I can just imagine her confusion, like, what? No, I'm sure I had this one. (laughs) Um, So thankfully, there was another teacher in the room whose awareness was a bit greater. And it was a learning 
opportunity for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So the teacher learned that kiwi is not only a fruit, but it's right? also a flightless bird and the native bird of New Zealand. So <laughs> these are little things that now I, yeah, I get some joy out of being able to teach her, her friends, her friends' parents, yeah. um, a little bit more about New Zealand as well. That's good. Are there any things, now you talked about how, um, in the previous episode, talking about how you know, maybe when your your partner came here, he almost became more dangerous than he was before. It's experience that others have had. Is there anything that you feel like you've held tighter to as a New Zealander being away from New Zealand than maybe you would if you were still living there? I mean, those first few years were all about trying to blend in, trying yep. to pretend mm-hmm. I was a local when I wasn't. And that becomes really confusing because if you don't have the freedom to be yourself, you cannot be the best version of yourself. Of course. And it's taken a long time and a lot of thinking for me to get to the point of realizing that in a country full of Danes, the best thing you can be is actually yourself. Mm -hmm. Because only then can you give the greatest value to Denmark. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I I feel like I'm in that phase now of just really being proud of who I am. And that is a person from New Zealand. And I'm here to give great value to Denmark, but I'm also here to educate people about New Zealand as well and Mm -hmm. about what it's like to be uh, a foreigner in Denmark trying to find your place. But what I would say has happened in this journey too, because of course we had this big ugly pandemic in the last eight years. And I think for those first few years you are hanging on. I was hanging on to New Zealand a bit more. You kind of have this one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Like, I'm here, I'm going to do my best, but um, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I've got yep. one foot out <laughs> and we're, we're moving back. Um, but then the pandemic happened and New Zealand, of course, closed its borders for the best part of two years. That was a very polarizing uh, time in terms of changing my feelings, I think, to my country, and it's still a very hot topic, but I would say the New Zealanders living abroad, for a lot of us, our relationship has changed with our country because mm. during that period, the country that was looking after me was Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Denmark did a great job of navigating uh, the pandemic and the uncertain times. Uh, New Zealand also did a great job under different circumstances. Mm. So that is a, a, a remote South Pacific island. Right. Um, they had extra two-week warning of what was happening where we're all sitting in the middle of it going, what, what? what's happening? Oh, right. it's here? So that has been a turning point in my relationship for New Zealand. And it's not to say I don't love New Zealand as much as what I did, but it made me lean into Denmark more. Hmm. I'm curious as far as, as living here and um, doing some of that, educating people on New Zealand and kind of sharing that side of you, Are there? do you ever come up against misconceptions that people have on either your homeland or just foreigners in general um, as you're living here? Mm. I think the magic of New Zealand is that it has this magnetic quality, a bit like Denmark. When you mention either country, mm. people's eyes automatically light up. Yeah. And I recognize this as, a, again, a position of privilege that I hold, that these are my two countries. <laughs> um, so quite often, you know, what I might have here in Denmark is, you're from New Zealand? Why are you living here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, it's not that it's not that simple. New Zealand has fantastic scenery, of course, but life led me here, like we've talked about earlier, is that sometimes life just leads you somewhere. Um, and for me, it would be greater if it would be better if the countries were closer. Absolutely. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but 18,000 kilometers is a bit of a, a big one. Um, I would say what I struggle to 
explain because now I'm eight years in, right? So when I go back to New Zealand, now I look at what's happening there or how people are, are, are acting. And you're like, why are you doing that? Why are you eating all this white bread? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the reverse when I moved here, whereas, like, you know, in Denmark, it's all about the rye bread and mm-hmm. white bread um, and multi grain bread, which would be considered brown bread in New Zealand is white bread here. So these were all things that I were different to me when I first moved here. And, and now I look at New Zealand um, questioning or just thinking, well, why are you guys doing it like that too? Which again, isn't about saying one country is better than the other. It's just that you get used to a certain way of living. So then when you go live somewhere else, you will see a different way of doing it. You, you of course, notice it more. But I would say in a social context in New Zealand, particularly around Christmas time, we are a lot more casual. Mm. Yeah, which is not to say that we're lazy. And I think sometimes people can confuse the two things is that we're casual and that can be lazy. And it's, it's not. It's just that we've not got a script of how the afternoon's going to run. We're not going to go to church and then we're not going to listen to the Queen's speech here or King's speech. Um, we kind of, I would say, go with the flow a little bit more. Yeah. more. I mean, it's similar in the, in the US, I think, too, where, you know, we maybe don't have as deep traditions because most of our U.S. traditions are influenced from outside. They're influenced from immigrant groups yes, um, who bring their traditions and then kind of that melting pot idea, right? That's yep. just kind of we take a little bit of the best from everything and mm-hmm. try this, try that. And um, we're exposed to a bit more that way. And I think there's um, I think that there's a, a bit of a superpower in that. I think it's kind of a, a nice way of growing up with it's a real gift to be exposed to multiple cultures. Yeah. I think New Zealand's, you know, we often have that melting pot uh, uh, phrase as well there yeah. because we are closely connected to a lot of the Pacific Islands. Sure. Yep. Um, so, you know, a lot of Samoans, Tongans, Cook Islands. Um, we have a lot of Chinese immigration going way back to, to gold mining days. So uh, we've been used to being in this multicultural environment as well. We never really questioned it. Yeah. Um, and it's always exciting to try a different food um, and be exposed to to somebody else's traditions as well. It's not to say that New Zealand's got it perfect. Um, oh, certainly not in the U.S. either. But no. it's nice to be a bit unshackled by how you do Christmas or how you do any uh, any holiday yeah. or any tradition is that you're a bit free to experiment and try things and take 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 different parts of different things. and Yeah, yeah. And, and create the Christmas that you want. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I understand the casual meaning because that's the same. It's way. the same. It's yeah. it's it's the same that like the way that our families do Christmas is different. And how honestly, how we it's feel evolved. How exactly? Yeah. It's very. I, I agree. Like, I think that casual is a great term for for how we are because it's almost like I'm guessing New Zealand similar to, to U.S. in this way that everything kind of evolves very quickly and that new influences come in and there's new things that you do or there's as you say unshackled to kind of the past in that way. That yeah. people are willing to try new things and maybe try things in a different way. Yeah, and for New Zealand too, it's a very young country. Yeah, yeah, as well. So I think that's part, that's part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when it comes to Christmas, the weather's good outside, so you're not forced to right. stay inside with family. I think it's a, an interesting thing to. I love history, and I think that it also comes from countries that um, have had a relatively, I don't want to say peaceful existence, but maybe in a way, you know, we've never lost territory or lost part of our identity or been occupied um, Mm. and had our culture repressed. Mm. So we've never leaned back into it when we took it back in a way that made things more stringent, rigid, um, maybe, I don't want to say a false importance, 
that's not the right connotation, but put a put a emphasis on on <laughs> we must holding do it this it, way, holding even stronger on because we weren't yeah. able to, you know. And I I um, have had a lot of people, um, especially on social media and things, explain. Oh, okay, part of the reason why the flag is so important in Denmark, or that it may be on a Christmas tree, or maybe in other things, is because it was repressed in certain parts of Denmark and certain regions during different periods of of history. And when you understand that, then it it helps me to realize a bit more of like, no, this is this is important. And that's where this comes from, which may look different from the outside, unless you kind of understand these things about yeah, the history and, that, and the culture. And that's a great thing about sharing stories and learning, yeah. right? So you get this greater appreciation, whether it be of Danish traditions or somebody else's traditions as well, which goes back to the best way to integrate is to make it a two-way street and not to expect exactly. foreigners to do everything your way. Yeah. Because that's that's the secret sauce in some ways is the opportunity to always be learning, always be adapting, and being able to try something new doesn't mean you have to discard what was old. No, and I think that's the the beauty of growth, not just as a person but as a society as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I you know, I think back to when I first arrived here, and I very much had this feeling that I was expected to get off the plane and be Danish. Yes. Mm. If I do that, then who am I? I'm not me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And obviously, you've talked about your story. You've done it in multiple different ways. You you started as a blogger. You you have the book. You've done, uh, you know, you have a speaking series that you do now as well. What's next for you? How are you continuing to to share your story and build on the foundation that you've built for yourself? Um, yeah. So I'm continuing to uh, do presentations and share my story out there as well. Um, I'm working on the next book, which Ooh. is uh, of the theme. It's the first. The, nothing like a Dane covers that kind of first year, first couple of years when you're fish out of water, when nothing makes sense. And then the next book is a continuation of the story. But when you get into that five year, eight year mark, and you realise that you're not as New Zealand as you once were, mm. but you're still not Danish. <laughs> um. So where are you in that? So I'm I'm working on that quietly at the moment. Nice. Quietly, uh, yeah, but still telling everyone about it because that's my accountability. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I look forward to talking to even more people about what it's like to be a foreigner in Denmark, because I think that's a, a reality that can be better understood. Of your speakers' topics, which is the one that you, maybe you're most proud of? Or what is the story that you tell in, in your speaking series that is, is the one you think is the most impactful? I think that would have to be, we all think we're normal until we live in another country. Hmm. Right. So when you're living in your country and you are doing things without questioning because that's how you've been brought up, you do think that that's normal and the only way. And it it, it is normal when you're in your country. But as soon as you leave the country, you realize, oh, not everyone's doing that. Not <laughs> not everyone's, uh, you know, not putting a top on their sandwich. Um, <laughs> not everyone's putting their babies outside to sleep. And it goes two ways. Right. So. When I moved here, you all of a sudden don't feel normal anymore because you can't do anything. You can't even, you don't even know how to recycle. You're like, what's Pat? What's Papia? Like, you know, <laughs> you just feel like that child in their 30s oh, yeah. again. But equally, uh, and what I talk about in that presentation is that if you are a local, uh, whether it be Denmark or anywhere else, particularly if you've not lived abroad for a significant amount of time, then let me share with you some of the things that you might not have even thought about, like how to buy milk at the supermarket. You know, that is a pretty hard task when yes. you first arrive. Um, the the fact that I might be used to be making small talk and I've not realized that actually small talk is uh, 
not the done thing in Denmark so much. It's more polite to keep to yourself and to keep quiet in public um, in most places. So that's a presentation that I really enjoy giving to both Danes and internationals and particularly in workplaces where um, both are working as well. So you can have a better mm. understanding there as well. Mm. That's powerful. And, and what you said, it's something that we talk about that sometimes we feel like culturally we're somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic yeah. because... Just untethered. <laughs> untethered. Uh, floating somewhere between uh, the United States that looks different than the one that we left and this place, Denmark, where we may never fit in and will be nothing like a Dane. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about embracing that journey and, yeah. and just... And that's okay. And that's okay. As we've been talking... It, it feels like you're often coming back to this uh, point of contentment and acceptance of I don't need to count my Danish friends anymore. It's okay with what they are. I don't need a quota or my Danish skills may be what they are and that's okay. I have my my partner, my daughter. It's That's who yeah. I need to communicate with and I can communicate with them however I want and all of these things are okay. And yeah. I think we kind of go through that in all of the stages of living abroad where we have to come to some realization that it may never all look the way we romanticized it or we... Or the way other people want it. Other people want yes. it to be. Am I content? Yeah. And that's what matters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We can only be ourselves. Yeah. Everyone else is taken. Mm. I think Oscar Wilde actually said that, but I can own it if we want to. I think we should yeah. own it. Yeah. <laughs> we should. As internationals, it's kind of a mantra that's... you have to live by. You yeah. do. To, sur to, 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 to survive, to get the chance to thrive. Exactly. Is and, to have that. And if you're always trying to be something that you'll never be, yes. um, you're not going to be your best self. You're not going to mm. attract the goodness that you need. So, mm -mm. And one thing that's, that's valued very much in Denmark is authenticity. So if you're trying to be Danish, you're not being authentic because you're not. Exactly. Let's embrace being internationals. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I mean, honestly, some of the most fun that we've had here has been sharing that bridge it's been having thanksgiving dinners it's been bringing you know the foods that we have peanut butter and everything cheese on everything <laughs> whatever it is um, american football like the things celebrating that, july 4th and celebrate july 4th the, the largest july 4th celebration outside of the united states happens in in denmark that's yeah, a really we've been cool there. Thing. yeah yeah i think we also have a certain privilege right being yeah, absolutely new zealand and american that we can do that. And I would like to see that extended to all internationals in Denmark yes. as well. Very much. For whatever reason, internationals end up here in Denmark, whether they've had to leave their country. Yeah. Um, it would be great if we can em embrace that across yes. all cultures. Yes, yeah. um, absolutely. In all countries, not just in Denmark, anywhere. Yeah. Because as locals, yeah, I think we can all do better at welcoming foreigners. I think that's a really nice sentiment to, to end today. So, Carrie, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for leaving us with that very important and powerful message. And we've talked a bit about all the projects you have coming up. Where can people find you and get updates on those? My website, Carrie, K-E-R-I, Bloomfield.com. Uh, or they can find me on Instagram, Carrie.Bloomfield. Yeah, I'm on Facebook as well. Yeah. Carrie's social media links and the link to her book are in today's show notes and description. You can also find our social media there, and we hope that you'll connect with us too. If you're enjoying What Are You Doing in Denmark, please tell a friend or share a clip. It will help us grow the show and make the Weighted Podcast even better for you in the future. 